today on Ag News Daily. We do see automation coming into play. We're seeing automation today um, at all phases of agriculture, whether we realize it or not. Most most folks probably do. Um, you know what? You know, in, in the the smallest, simplest senses of you know, just pulling soil moisture data and information, or weather information. Or- Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr, still a little stuffy today, but luckily I am joined by Delaney Howell, whose voice sounds a lot better than mine. Well, it does for now, Ashton, but we have been getting some changing weather here in Des Moines as well. You know, I was in Colorado for a few days and it was chilly not terrible but a little chilly and then I got into Des Moines and I was thinking oh I'm gonna be hit with this cold weather again I'm not it feels like spring today that's for sure certainly feels like spring here too I think the high for today might be 75 I think oh okay now you're just rubbing it in my face (laughs) I see you say that but the weather is so up and down I think I saw a day forecasted next week where the high is in the 40s so it's just, it's really all over the place, and especially in springtime. I feel like spring is the the worst time for weather in Texas. Well, it is during, uh, the worst time, I would say, in most parts of the country. And actually, that's a good segue, Ashton, into my first piece of news, talking about weather. We've seen soybeans today have some excitement for those folks that have been watching closely. And weather in South America has been really driving that today. We saw soybeans climb to a one-month high on the Chicago Board of Trade, as we've seen a lot of rains in Brazil continue to bog down harvest and hamper shipping. I think I mentioned yesterday on the podcast, you know, that we're going to likely see soybeans and sugar fighting for export room here very shortly. And that is continuing to be the case, I'm guessing, here as we've seen just 15% of South Americans' crop be harvested as of late. This is the slowest pace for this time of year in a decade, according to Ag Rural. And this wet weather has sparked some movement in the soybean markets. That is for sure, Ashton. So it's gonna be it's gonna be likely that we don't see those Brazilian soybeans hit the marketplace for yet again some more time. Argentina and Brazil just can't catch a break, it seems like, when it comes to weather. Well, Delaney, not talking about weather for once. I feel like we just have been talking entirely so so much about weather, which, I mean, it's certainly very important not to diminish that. But another big thing that we have been talking about is whether or not COVID-19 can be a carrier on food items. And we know that China has really stepped up trying to test on food products, food imports. But the USDA, the FDA, and CDC say that after a year of tracking coronavirus outbreaks, there continues to be no credible evidence of food or food packaging tied to transmission of the virus. The agencies say that COVID-19 is a respiratory illness spread person to person, and it's highly unlikely that food and packaging can become contaminated. They cite a recent opinion from the International Commission on Microbiological Specifications for Foods, which confirms their findings. And the opinion says, despite the billions of meals and food packages handled since the beginning of the pandemic, To date, there has not been any evidence that food, food packaging, or food handling is a source or important transmission route. And so we've been, 
I guess, debating on whether or not it really can be transmitted, but the USDA, FDA, and CDC says no. All right. Well, switching tracks yet again, Ashton, not talking about COVID-19 this time, but talking about African swine fever. I reported yesterday, I believe it was on the podcast, that China is anticipating to be rebuilt here by mid-June. But we've just seen fresh outbreaks of African swine fever hitting China's hog herds again. We saw a surge in commodity prices there. We've seen pork prices um, in China specifically at their highest levels in years. And I don't know. It sounds like a mixed bag for China. I mean, on the one hand, they're reporting that they anticipate to be back up and running like new come June, but they're still facing some outbreaks here and there. So it's going to be hard to say exactly what will happen. I think June sounds a little optimistic for them to say that they're going to be fully rebuilt by that. But that's still what they're putting out as far as their ministry goes. I have some avian influenza news. I guess we're just talking about COVID-19, African swine fever. Just makes sense to talk about bird flu as well. But as we know, Europe is now approaching levels lasting in 2016 with egg supply shrinking in Poland, which is one of the hardest countries that has been hit due to the loss of laying hens and a sign that the virus is starting to strain the poultry industry. Asia is also experiencing outbreaks of the same strain of bird flu, and they're still, you know, reeling in the livestock sector from African swine fever, just like you said, Delaney. And Russia said over the weekend that it has registered the first case of H5N8 bird flu being passed to humans from birds in seven workers at a poultry plant, which raised raises the concern that the virus could mutate into a human-to-human disease, which is something that I want to keep my eye out on that's very concerning to think about. But the disease tends to start in the fall, carried by migrating wild birds on their way from Asia to Europe, which I didn't even think about. You know, it's starting up in the fall and, you know, being carried that way. But around 5 million birds have already been culled in Poland, which is the EU's largest poultry producer. And the total represents a small fraction of the EU's poultry flock, and there is no sign yet of any shortage of chicken. But because of that cull, there's been a shortage in laying hens, thus a reduced supply of eggs. So it's just kind of a, a downward spiral, it looks like. I didn't realize, Ashton, that Poland was the largest a poultry producer in the EU either. That's an interesting fact. I didn't as well. I, I wouldn't have even guessed that, but prices for, for eggs in Polish markets jumped from about 18% to 20% at the end of January. So it's definitely a, a big concern. And so definitely just a story that I'm going to keep my eye out on, especially if it, if you know bird flu does come to be human to human transmission. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, I am taking us back to weather one last time, Ash, and this is my final story. But as we saw weather shift last weekend to warmer weather, we're finally starting to see, I guess if you want to call it damage or just the implications of all of the crazy weather that we had last week. We saw the week of February 15th, a lot of snow and storms that caused a lot of fleets 
up and down the Mississippi River, St. Louis River, Ohio, Illinois, and lower Mississippi areas as well to have difficulties in their grain transportation efforts. According to the American Commercial Barge Line, they noted on their website that as of February 8th, they went from 15 to just nine barges on the Illinois River southbound and ceased any northbound movement due to river safety and... I'm going to take a gander here and also guess that part of the river was likely uh, shut down or frozen because of the cold weather. You know, as we talked with Elaine Cub yesterday, it sounds unlikely at this point that we will see widespread, widespread flooding like we saw in 2019. But the Army Corps of Engineers in Illinois, as well as Nebraska, say they're keeping a close eye on it this year as we did see those uh, weather patterns, weather conditions happen last week. And if we see those later in the year, that could be another extenuating factor that adds to some wet weather this year. But for the week ending February 13th, the USDA's grain transportation report noted that the total downbound grain barge movements were about a 14% drop from the previous week due to icy and cold weathers. As of the week of last week, uh, still getting some final numbers there, but it does sound like that was down significantly as far as grain shipments went as well. So going to see a little bit of uh, maybe not total supply chain issues, but probably going to see a few supply chain issues, some lingering effects here as we continue to watch grain, especially from the Pacific Northwest, the PNW area there, trying to get down to the port of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, all the way down there in our uh, southern portion of the United States, Ashton. You know, Delaney, not to make light of this pretty serious situation, because it's always, you know, serious when you, you think about flooding, but down here, the snow is already completely gone. It's not even muddy. So it's like it's like it never even happened. But I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, this bad weather didn't cause a, a ripple effect, but just something that we're going to have to wait and find out. But one thing that we don't have to wait too much longer to find out is where the markets ended for today, Delaney. How about we go ahead and jump into the markets? I'm glad you mentioned that, Ash, and I certainly would love to hop into the markets because soybeans had a significant rally today on that news I reported on earlier of South America. American weather. But kicking things off here, first in the corn contract, March up three and a quarter cent today to close at 554 and a quarter. The May up two and a quarter to close at 552 and three quarters. In soybeans today, the March contract up 22 and a quarter cent to close at 1406. We were at one point as much as 40 cents higher on the day. The May up 21 and three quarters to close at 1409 and a quarter. Wheat today also slightly higher as the March Chicago contract added two and three quarters cents to close at 666 and three quarters. The May up a penny and a half to close at 671 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at our protein markets today. Weakness in the cattle complex as the April live cattle contract shed $1.85 to close at 121.20. The June down $1.12 to close at 119.12 and a half. In feeder cattle, March contract down 75 cents today to close at 138.57 and a half. The April down 67 and a half cents to close at 142.60. Lean hog is higher today as the April contract added a dollar 30 to close at 86.42 and a half. The May up a dollar to close at 88.85. And in dairy, weakness today as the March contract shed to 45 cents to close at 15. 15- 91, the April 
down 37 cents to close at 16.45. Without further ado, Ashton, let's kick it over to our conversation for today's Hashtag Tech Tuesday interview with Realm 5. Today, we are talking to Austin Benish, who is a key account executive at Realm 5. Austin, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, Ashton. So before we get started talking about the technology that you guys are using, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Realm 5? Yeah, you bet. So uh, we were founded in 2014 or 15. I'm always fuzzy on that. Um, But uh, here in Lincoln, Nebraska, we're still based in Lincoln. Our corporate office is here. Um, We distribute to, um, you know, all over the United States. Um, In addition to that, we're also in Canada and some in Africa and South America and Australia as well. Um, And we're working on some other um, some other parts of the world. Um, You know, our business is based in connectivity and and data aggregation as well. And so, you know, really what we want to do is we want to be able to um, to to bring connectivity to all phases of agriculture, whether that be cropping systems or livestock or, um, you know, inventory management controls or, um, you know, operational tracking, those types of things um, and get all of that information and data into one place with as few connections to the cloud as possible. And so, you know, we, we've been uh, very successful in doing that thus far, and we're, you know, continuing to scale, not just, um, you know, within particular segments of the industry, but also kind of across the industry as well and tying that information together um, for, you know, for more diversified stakeholders. So Austin, before we talk about Realm 5, I think it's also important to talk about what Realm 5 means. You've got a little blurb about this on your website, but tell us a little bit more about how the name came to be and how it represents really what your company does. Yeah, you bet. We get that question pretty much every conversation. Um, it's not uh, it's not a real intuitive naming process, but um, it's meaningful to us. And um the uh, uh, you know the name Realm Five it comes from our belief and, and and our philosophy that there have been since the Industrial Revolution there have been kind of five major um, disruptions in the ag sector kind of starting with mechanization and then moving through you know hybridization and GMO development and um, some of the genetic stuff um, you know precision ag you know we're all very familiar with how that you know that space has been how influential that space has been over the last um, you know twenty five or so years um, but really here uh, kind of the the, the the late, you know, the latter '90s and, and into the 2000s, we've begun to see, you know, a an increase not just for precision agriculture, but also for the data around that. And, um, you know, we think that here, kind of in that 2015, 2016 timeframe, we're beginning to shift gears. And so, um, you know, not only how precise can we be, but now what can we do with the information and the data that's generated? And that's the fifth disruption, the fifth realm of agriculture, if you will, um, is is utilizing the data that we've collected through these technologies. Um, and putting it to use towards probably towards automation and, um, you know, some advancements and efficiencies. So, Austin, you guys have quite a few products that y'all are working with. So why don't you tell us uh, from basically, I guess, just a a 10,000 foot view on your products, because there are so many, maybe just a little bit about the basics of them. You bet. So, um, 10,000, you know, it's 10,000 foot views hard because we do, um, we span across, you know, multiple verticals within the ag sector, but, um, you know, I can give you some highlights on some new products we have, and maybe it's, a, and, and I guess some existing ones. Uh, most of our products are, most of our products are gateway based. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll pull sensor data from whether it's fields or barns or bin spaces, um, We'll consolidate that information 
um, on a device and then move it over towards a gateway where it's then transferred to the cloud. So we can connect several devices at a certain, a specific site. Um, you know, as probably a, a good number of them, we usually say up to 50, but honestly, it could be more than that if, if the need ever arose. Um, on a single subscription to the cloud. Now we are in the process of adding some, um, you know, some some devices that may work outside of a gateway system, um, but we're not quite to commercialization on those yet. Um, the technology we use when we use a radio tech, radio wave technology, um, and then it's that information and data is jumped to the cloud um, via cellular connection. Awesome. And you so keep using this. If you term- wanted some specific. Sorry, I didn't mean to oh, cut you ahead. off there, Austin, but you just keep you keep using oh, the good. term uh, the gateway system. Can you tell us what that explain to us what that means a little yeah. bit more? You bet. So a gateway, it's a, think of it as kind of a centralized hub or a node, or um, it's a it's a base um, for all of the sensor data from a field or a farm or a site, uh, whatever it happens to be. Um, you know these these sort of end devices that we call them. Um, so maybe it's a soil moisture probe, for instance, or a capacitance probe that would be pulling soil moisture and and um, you know soil temperature at various depths. Um, we can send wirelessly transmit that information to a gateway and then that gateway will pull information from other similar devices around a a location. And then all of that information will be broadcast to uh, cloud-based servers through a central port of entry. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So the other thing I wanted to, that you keep mentioning a little bit is looking at today's automation and, and beyond was the reason that realm five was started. I mean, talk about disruption in agriculture and technology is definitely on the forefront of that. What do you guys think as far as the future for agriculture? What's going to be the next phase that we see and how is Realm 5 going to adapt with that? Oh, absolutely. So, and then that's exactly what we're built for is sort of that next phase and, and um, you know, the adaptability that'll be required to, to play in that space. Um, you know, so we, we do see automation coming into play. We're seeing automation today um, at all phases of agriculture, whether we realize it or not, most, most folks probably do. Um, you know, what, you know, in, in the, the smallest, simplest senses of, you know, just pulling soil moisture data and information or weather information, or, um, you know, we're, you know, we're in barn spaces with, um, you know, with swine operations and different livestock species, um, you know, these are, these are technically automation um, and they're, they're playing in that, but you know, how do we get to full control? And that's, you know, that's kind of where the industry wants to, to, to move to. Um, we're also going to need to consolidate it, data and information. Uh, there's, no, there's no farmer, there's no livestock producer anywhere who says, man, I just want one more app on my phone. Um, you know, we need to be able to, um, you know, knock down some of these proprietary walls around data access and information um, and really truly put things onto a single platform or as few of platforms as possible. That way, the producer, the farmer, the grower, um, the ag retailer, advisor, um, whoever that, you know, that, that primary user of data and information is, they need to be able, their, their lives need to be as simple and, and the least amount of complexity involving uh, their structure as possible in order for us to gain full adoption in the space. And so we're, you know, we're taking steps, you know, every, with every product we launch, uh, physical product and with all of our software to make sure that we ease that, that transition into a more, um, a more automatic uh, type experience for the grower, the producer, the advisor, the retailer. Austin, I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up because you guys are using R5 Cloud or, or R Cloud. I, yeah, R5 Cloud. Sorry, I, I didn't know if y'all had the, mm-hmm. the five in there in that product. But um, y'all, are, y'all are using that over at um, Realm 5. And I just kind of want to know a little bit more about 
how this cloud program works because with every piece of technology basically that you know not just ag technology uses but you know basic technology like a, a computer that I just have here with me you know right now they all pretty much have cloud systems so how does the R5 cloud system differ from that basic system that's already basically built into technology? Yeah, that's 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 a good question. So um, our R5 Click, our R5 Cloud, it's a um, it's a proprietary system to us, but we also you know we we bring in a lot of industry partners into that as well, and so we can for instance we can API information into our system um, to you know to make it um, uh, available in one space, or we can go the other way with it as well. And so um, you know if if somebody has you know two or three different brands of soil moisture probes, or if they have a um, a particular um, uh, you know. Uh, inventory management system, uh, we can pull that information into our five click or, um, you know, we can access that, uh, that information with other stuff that they may have around their site, their operation, their farm, whatever it may be, um, and move that to their preferred platform if it's compatible. Uh, that way it puts more power in the, the grower, the producer, the advisor's hands, um, you know, and it allows us to, to sort of not only just be part of their operation, but help them actively manage it as opposed to just providing a, you know, a cool technology. Austin, before we let you go, you mentioned that you're at an event this week and you're going to be talking to growers out there. Tell us a little bit about that. And for folks that aren't able to hit that event, how they can find you outside of there. You bet. So we are at the Nebraska Ag Expo in Lincoln, Nebraska here this week. It's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week in Lincoln, the Lancaster Event Center. Um, it's been a pretty good crowd here. Um, and so we're talking, this is one of our first B2B show, or excuse me, B2C shows that we've been to in a long time. Um, we're primarily a B2B business, but, you know, with kind of what's happening in agriculture, it's important to talk directly to growers and producers about these technologies. And that's our goal here this week. Um, you know, if, if anybody's at the show, swing by, um, you know, we're, we're here and we're set up and, and, you know, happy to have conversations around, you know, connectivity on the farm and the barn, um, you know, at the ag retail locations, or they can check us out at, you know, our website at uh, realm5.com. It's R-E-A-L-M-F-I-V-E.com. Fantastic. Well, Austin, thanks again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it as well. Thanks again there to Austin from Realm 5 for coming on and talking to us. I think he makes some great points about data and how to keep track of all that because I don't even have that much to keep track of on my computer, Delaney, but uh, I can tell you that it is certainly still a mess with all these files. Absolutely, Ashton. It's always interesting. I especially liked uh, talking today about the not disruptions in agriculture, but really the different phases of agriculture and technology that we've been to. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Certainly is, Delaney. And we have another interview set up for next Tuesday, talking a little bit more in depth about those advancements, disruptions, and all of that good stuff in technology over the years. So folks, be sure to mark that on your calendars and tune in at agnewsdaily.com next week for more Tech Tuesday info. And follow along with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily while you're at it. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.